1: Welcome to the Habitat
2: Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management,
3: hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Heath. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for becoming better habitat managers. As always, I'm your host, Jared Van Heath. Glad to have you all back listening. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We have a great episode for you here. If you haven't heard on our social media, we have a new partner on board, Sound Barrier Hunting. Now, today we have Adam Lewis, one of the owners in Sound Barrier Hunting, on the podcast. And what Sound Barrier Hunting is all about is protective gear for noise on anything that you carry out into the woods with you, whether it be tree stands, climbing sticks, camera arms, anything metal. He makes some really great products called Buck Bumper and Buck Bumper Thick that we're going to talk about here on this show. We're going to talk about how to prep some of your stands right now. I know it could be a little bit of a break in between spring habitat work and fall food plots. I know I'm not on break, I still have too much stuff to do, but if you are wondering what you could be doing right now, checking out your stands and soundproofing them for this fall is a great thing to look at. So we're going to get into that on this episode. We also talk about Access through different types of habitat. Uh, for us, habitat managers in the hunting woods, this fall, we talk about public land hunting. We talk about deer hearing and the way that deer use their ears and the sound frequencies that come along with that, which is super interesting stuff. So, a lot to take in, guys. Grab your pen and paper and and get ready for another great episode. Adam over at Sound Barrier has offered a ten percent discount with free shipping if you use the code HP over at soundbarrierhunting.com. I want to be sure I get that discount out there for you guys. All right, next, uh, Packer Max called the Packers. Lincoln Roan has moved his location. He has his own building uh, in Rockford, Michigan. Uh, He still ships all over the country via, you know, the mail service or UPS, I think it is. So check him out at packermax.com. We also covered in our trivia that Lincoln is coming out with a roller crimper Add on so a crimper add on to the Packer Max units. Be sure to check out our Facebook trivia that happened two nights ago on uh, July 9th. So that's still on our Facebook, and then you know, PackerMax.com. Be sure to mention the Habitat Podcast, and you'll get $25 off every Packer on there. So thank you, uh, Lincoln, for supporting the show. And we'll have Lincoln on next week or the week after, one of the two to discuss uh, ways to protect your food plots from deer. I'm sure we'll get into more on his new crimper project then. I'd like to thank 5-2 uh, Outdoors, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Killer Food Plots, the Habitat Hook, and Stony Creek Realty, along with the HuntWise hunting app, all for supporting our show. I know we have a discount with Killer Food Plots. Uh, HP, 10% on KillerFoodPlots.com will get you 10% off and free shipping as well. And I actually want to correct myself. The, the sound barrier code is only HP. You don't need the 10%. It's HP. So I had that mixed up with Killer Food Plots. Either way, guys, we're trying to get you guys some discounts on some of our gear from our sponsors. Check that out. It's $25 off Packer Max. HP 10% for 10% and free shipping at killer food plots and sound barrier outdoors code HP and you get 10% off and free shipping on any of their products. Now we've been being pretty active on our social media. If you don't follow us online yet, it'd be wonderful if you did check us out on Instagram at habitat podcast, Facebook habitat podcast. We're on YouTube uploading videos uh, pretty regularly. And then, uh, you know, habitatpodcast.com, you can find all of our info on there about you know every podcast episode, all of our hats and gear that are on there, and even everything you want to know about our land plan services. We've been really busy this summer working on land plans for clients uh Kentucky, Iowa, Michigan, upstate New York, all over the place. So if you guys are interested in those, check us out at habitatpodcast.com, go to land plans and uh, submit your information and we will get right back to you. All right, guys. Just enough about us and the podcast. Let's get into Adam Lewis with Sound Barrier Hunting. All right, welcome back, everybody. Another episode of the Habitat Podcast. We have my co-host Brian Hallbly on the line, and a special guest tonight, Adam Lewis from Sound Barrier Hunting. How you doing, Adam?
0: Good. How you guys doing?
3: Doing well. Doing well. How about you, Brian?
0: Doing great. Thanks for coming on, Adam. Yeah,
3: thanks
0: for having me, Brian. I think I
3: heard him crack his third bushel over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, just messing with you, um, Adam. As you know, we normally like to start these things off uh, hearing about who you are, where you're from, your your background in hunting and habitat. You might starting there starting there for us. Sure. Yeah. So. Um
2: I'm a Michigan guy grew up in Michigan grew up hunting in Michigan which um, a lot of your listeners probably are from you know that general area but probably guys from all around the country but Michigan you know being one of the higher pressure uh, states one of the harder ones to hunt so I grew up hunting here um, and that's where I mainly hunt which is um, been about twenty eight years now that I've hunted and Started out hunting a lot of private growing up, in the last 10 years or so, I've hunted mainly public land uh, here in mid-Michigan, and probably about the last eight years or so, I've hunted also in Ohio. So um, that's, I guess, most of my history uh, with hunting, and I'd say I've I've learned a ton probably the last 10 years that I've hunted public, um, just exponentially, I think, from that, but and by the last four years uh, have, this is when we launched the company Sound Barrier, uh, really based around problems that I've had hunting uh, and trying to find solutions for those.
3: Very nice. Now, uh, where in Michigan are you from?
2: I grew up in, well, kind of the Lapeer area, and now I'm a little west of there. I work up uh, near Saginaw, kind of, so I'm... Kind of right in the middle.
3: Yeah, okay. And when you are heading down to Ohio, you said you have been doing that for, what, seven or eight years, you said?
2: Yep, seven or eight years. Uh started down there in public and then uh, did a lot of uh, door knocking and stuff and got a little bit of private access uh, as well. So uh, that's pretty much Central Ohio is where I, where I hunt uh, down there, too.
3: Okay, awesome and uh when did you decide to start this company exactly, and what made you you know tell me about the problem you had where it made you start this company
2: yeah, so um you know public land hunting especially it made me really aware of in most guys know this even you know even first starting out uh you found out pretty quick that you can't really make mistakes with white tails and uh, really, through making mistakes and frustrations, I uh, realized that I had a long way to go when I, you know, was first getting into it, and I really centered around noise I made. So, uh, you know, hunting, especially public land, I was getting in fixed, I was getting close to bedding, and realized the little noises I made, even if they weren't, like, major errors, but any little thing that I did that made noise would negatively affect my hunts, and uh, really, uh, really hurt me, and, you know, you go through all this effort, and especially the guys that um, are really into their food plots, and all that stuff, I mean, that's a year-round thing, and a lot of guys are doing scouting all year, and so you're putting all this effort into it, and then one little mistake when you're out hunting can totally ruin a season, and And that's what I was finding, you know. And so it was that problem of noise I made with my equipment, you know, like clanging on stuff, brush, whatever, or just equipment, really unavoidable things, you know, like, uh, you know, you you clang your release against your bow or your stand when you're setting it up is there's metal-on-metal contact and, and even coming and going, uh, normally you're making noise. And so that was the big problem I had that I knew was uh, hurting, you know, my chances. My success was really busting a lot of my hunts uh, before I even got started with them. You know, I was I was uh, making some errors and they were hurting me. So long story short, that got me into thinking about, you know, the sound aspect of it. Uh, started doing a lot of research around products. And Adam,
3: around. Adam, one second here before you go into that. One, one quick question: Are you yeah. like, are you fully mobile the whole time when you're down there on that public land? Are you bringing a climber? Um, tell us about your setup a little bit and kind of the terrain that you're hunting on. How you know it wasn't just a flat walk. It sounds like.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I do a lot of different stuff. I'll put in sets. Um, you know with uh, the old climbing stick you know big one you stick together and a stand and leave up those um I'll go in I have a climber i I use as well uh, I have uh sticks you know the mobile sticks like lone wolf sticks and a lone wolf stand that I use too um and this year I'm starting out with a with a saddle too uh so I have a lot of different things I use um but it didn't really seem to matter. There's, there's always opportunity, it seemed, to make noise, and, and that's kind of where that that stemmed from.
0: So, Adam, how did you come up with the idea to start researching sounds, like you mentioned, and what you could do about it?
2: Yeah. So, given the problem, you know, I, I had some some product ideas. Um, and so that's kind of what spawned the research. I wanted to know how deer uh, heard, um, really know the science behind it. Was was it as big as a problem as I felt? Uh, how far do these noises I make, you know, whether it be crunching leaves or stepping on a branch or clanging, you know, some of my metal gear, how far is that really traveling? Uh, how are deer hearing that? Is that really as big a deal as I, I felt it was? like? I had this intuition, you know, that it obviously was, but I wanted to know the science, right? So I did some research. Uh, there's some different studies out there through the University of Toledo about deer hearing. Um, and then I wound up actually doing some studies at the University of Toledo on hunter noises, where we uh, we went to the Sound Pro booth. We uh, recorded different about 30 different common sounds like crunching leaves, breaking branches, different types of metal contacts. We looked at the frequency range of those. We then were able to, uh, we measured, you know, the the intensity or, you know, decibels, how loud it was. And then you can project pretty easily how far that sound travels. And so that research, you know, kind of verified how, how bad it is and also, you know, learning about how, you actually do hear, which is different than how uh, how we hear. And so all that's solidified, yeah, you know, it's, it's a major problem, obviously. Um, and so that kind of led into the, the product development of how can I, you know, how can I eliminate these sounds and give myself a better chance? How can I eliminate these mistakes that i'm making that you know most hunters are, are are making or all hunters are making i can give myself a fighting chance and so that that's kind of what led into that uh, led into the product development led into you know starting the company sound barrier
0: okay so uh for our listeners that might not be familiar with your product can you walk us through what exactly it is and, and how it's applied
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not a complicated product. Um, It is, we have a couple of different ones. Uh, One is the thinner wrap, which you, on one side, it is self-adhesive. You can peel it easily like tape, but there's a, a sound absorbent layer in there with a camo top, and you can wrap pretty much anything. So I'll take, for example, my... Lone wolf climbing sticks, and I'll completely wrap the whole thing so there's no metal exposed. So it's literally impossible to clang it and have metal on metal contact. So it completely soundproofs it. Uh, So that's a thin version we call buck bumper, and you can cut it to shape. Like I'll put it on buckles, you can cut it real easily and stick it on. It's a permanent adhesive, Uh, it sticks real well, uh, and it soundproofs things like buckles or I'll even put it on my bow in different areas that, you know, know that I typically clang something. Uh, Camera arms, wrapping those, you know. So one of them is a wrap that just real easily, it's thin, but it uh, it soundproofs real well, and uh, you can pretty much wrap and cover anything with it. The other one is a thicker version. It's a little more absorbent, a little more soundproofing. Um, but it's more for just flat surfaces. So if you've got, you know, the edge of blinds where you're putting your gun up, it will soundproof that. Shooting rails, uh, I use it a lot, for example, underneath my stand, you know, where you fold your stand up, it's always metal on metal. Uh, i I put it on contact points so there's no, you know, metal on metal contact there. You can really just hit any spot you need to to soundproof, you know, a wide variety of gear. Um, It's, you know, some of the stuff that's out there, you have uh, the fuzzy moleskin type stuff It's fairly popular. Uh, And we tested against that. And just, you know, that works okay. You know, I I started with wrapping stuff with, like, hockey tape, and and that helps a little. uh, But we designed ours to, with the material that would – is designed for sound absorbing, and so that's what it does, and it, it just reduces the vibration of the, in the contact better than the other stuff that's out there.
0: Okay. So how did you come up with the material that's on the final product now? Did you have different uh, materials you were testing, and how did you come to that conclusion?
2: Yeah, we did different variations, you know, with the different uh, product testing, um, it's a foam-based product. It's closed-cell foam-based product, so it won't absorb water. That's something we wanted. We wanted it um, not only to absorb sound, but we wanted it to be light so it wouldn't add weight to people's gear. Um, and so, yeah, we went through several different variations, but the closed-cell form, a foam variation that has a uh, cloth, it also has a cloth uh, top on it, just seemed to work the best it it uh, did what we needed to as far as the sound absorbing but it also was easy to wrap you know the certain size of it and all that so there was testing uh, they went they went into it but the the material itself it, it has been around a while it is designed for sound absorption where other things you know aren't necessarily designed for that they they kind of work but that wasn't that isn't their, I guess design, you know engineering wise.
0: Okay. So this start out as just a hobby, trying to solve some problems for yourself, or did you envision it to become a a company someday?
2: Um. Yeah, we kind of started out. I have a few partners, and we started out with uh, the idea of a company and filling this need, uh, because really, if you think about, you know, the industry which has really, I'd say the last five years, really gone heavily toward, well, in the last 20 years, there's been a lot of the food plot stuff, right? Sure. Uh, and then I'd say the latest uh, revolution, so to say, has been to these hardcore DYI guys, these, you know, run-and-gun type setup guys. Right. And But there's really if you look at the industry as a whole, there's really nothing centered around deer hearing. And so that, that market has really not been touched that much. And especially as we started this company, there was nobody really in that space to speak of. And we knew it wasn't a need. Uh, we knew we could help hunters. We knew we could fill a big need. Cause if you think about it, most of the stuff that's out there, Got, you have three senses that can keep you from success. You got, they got sight, they got scent, smell, and they have hearing. And, you know, the scent, smell category has been hit to death with products and companies and oh, yeah. all that. And so is the camel, right, the, the eyesight thing. But there isn't much around the hearing part. So we knew that was obviously a need. um, and something we could kind of fill. So that's that's what we kind of envisioned was uh, us filling that space.
0: Okay, that's interesting. And you mentioned a couple of uses for it. Uh, Can you go into some more details about what we can use it on and and maybe even some things that you wouldn't recommend us putting it on?
2: Yeah, I mean, really, the sky's the limit. I mean, as creative as you want to be, uh, you can soundproof it, and, and I'll say this: um, you know, all products have their have their place, and I don't think there's any one product, maybe other than your weapon, that you know is is a absolute need to kill a deer. But when you start getting serious about it, um, you realize that there's a lot of things; these little details add up. Um, and this is one of those little details that i found, you know, can really make or break a season. You know, if you, uh, you say this is good enough, you know, you get out on the stand, you clank something, and, you know, pretty soon all that work you put in all year, it, you just totally blew it. Uh, because, you know, it just takes one interaction like that it's to a deer, for a deer to know it's being hunted and, you know, change their behavior and patterns, and they're gone. So it's one of those really detail-oriented things that can make a huge difference. But uh, some uses, um, like I said, a lot of guys use it on climbing sticks, um, the mobile-type climbing sticks. You can completely encase those. Uh, if guys uh, have a camera on them, uh, film their hunts. The camera arm is a huge opportunity to clang it, you know, as you're moving it around up there, you got your release on, all this motion going on trying to film, soundproofing that can save that costly mistake. Um, Buckles, uh, even on, like, climbing harnesses, Uh, those buckles that, you know, any exposed metal, you can hit it with your bow, or something like that, and I've done it, I even did it last year, I had this buckle that I hadn't silenced my fall, but, and I moved my bow, and it hit that buckle, as a deer was coming in, and that deer, I never saw it, I could hear it coming, but I never saw it, because it may heard that noise, so any of those little things, um, you know, those are things to analyze, and even think about before season, you know, what things could I make noise with that if a deer heard that it could ruin a hunt? And those things, you either need to get rid of them uh, if you don't really need them in your setup, or soundproof them. So, you know, stands, um, shooting rails, buckles, any exposed metal or plastic or things that will make those noises, uh, guys put it on, and, you know, it can, again, be that last little detail that can make or break uh, a season.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you put it that way because a lot of times I'll get in some discussions with some guys and they'll say, what are you doing that for? That only give you a, maybe a 1% chance. Well, I'll take that. You add up enough of those 1% and next thing you know, you got a nice buck in front of you and everything goes right for a change.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's way too many <laughs> – Um, there's way too many possibilities to make mistakes. You know, the the odds are really stacked against us, Um, especially if we were trying to shoot a mature buck, you know, something that's three years or older. um, The odds are really stacked against us. So we can't, at least I, I don't want to take gambles with having a bunch of things potentially that could go wrong. I want to minimize those things as much as possible, and that gives me the best possible chance when I'm out hunting. Um, Because, you know, we've all been there, but if we think that, oh, yeah, I'm a good enough hunter that I'm going to be able to get away with this or it's not going to come back to bite me, you know, it's going to. Um, You're going to get busted because of a noise or a smell or you know you didn't have your stand up high enough or whatever it was like these little things are what are going to get you so yeah i i really uh, try to go through all my gear uh see if i like i said need it or not and if i do need it i'm going to soundproof it and that way i go out And I know I'm not going to make those noises. And I have eliminated one more thing that could potentially mess up my hunt, you know, mess up my season and hopefully give me an opportunity uh, at, you know, a good deer.
0: Yeah, definitely. If we can control everything that we can control and uh, eliminate all those problems for sure. Now, how how is this stuff as far as durability? Uh, it's going to take a pretty good beating, and, and how does it hold up in the weather?
2: Yeah, and I'll address the question you asked, um, where not to put it. Um, I wouldn't put it on anything that you really, like, care about, like your grandpa's antique gun or something. It, it has a permanent adhesive. So once you get it on there, you know, it's staying on there, uh, and it holds up. Underweather it's going to stick. Um, I've had stuff on my sticks for about four years and it's showing a little wear but it's it's holding on good and it's still doing it's job type thing. Um, so it's pretty durable, uh, you know, it depends on how you abuse your stuff but it holds up well, it sticks well. Um, You know, three or four years in, you might think about changing it out, but it it might last you more than that. So everything wears out, right? But it's pretty durable. Um, Where I wouldn't put it would be, like I said, things you really care about because it's pretty permanent. Um, And also, like, I would never tell people to put it on stuff they're going to be stepping on just for the, you know, you want a good – solid uh, surface, you know, and you don't want to be slipping potentially because it's something you put on, you know, a step or something that you need a good, you know, solid surface. So just for safety reasons, you know, I stay away from stuff like that. But other than that, it it, uh, pretty much can go wherever you need it.
0: Okay. Can you think of any successful hunts that – you had or maybe some of your clients had that this stuff might have saved their butt?
2: Um, good question. I think since I've been using it, I'll just say this. I've had, so where I hunt is public land in Michigan, which, you know, arguably is some of the toughest hunting probably around in the, in the country. And I've had more encounters and more success since I've started paying attention to my sound and my gear and using this, uh, all that stuff combined together, but I've had more encounters and success doing that by far than I did before. And so I kind of attribute my successes, you know, since then to this. Um, And just being really smart and detail-oriented with my hunting, and this is a, a Key component of that, um, and there's other parts too, obviously, but I'd say in general, I've, I've definitely noticed uh, just having more encounters because, again, you're not giving the deer opportunities or as many opportunities to know that they're being hunted. Um, one in particular, well, I'll say this a couple of things. A couple of years ago, so 2018. Uh, I had a real good season uh, in Michigan and Ohio, but my Michigan hunts, I think, kind of show as a good example of why being really uh, in tune with the sound you make and making sure that you have a silent, um Silence is just a key for you in hunting. So in 2018, on public land, uh October 13th I shot a, a real nice eight point uh it was back in a lot of you know, thick brush and so your entry exit had to be really uh, you know silent I was able to get in there um and actually kind of weird but that buck was was almost like it was in rut. It was chasing a doe around all morning uh, in that bedding area, and I was able to get him. But having a silent approach, being in and out of there silently, um, and my first-time sit allowed me to be able to get that buck. Uh, One week later, same general area, found some hot sign, was able to go in and... Uh, one technique that definitely uh, is important to use and that I try to use as much as I can is going in and setting stands if you have to when there's rain or high winds uh, and using that to mask your sound. So that was kind of the case. That I found a bunch of hot signs, some rubs coming from a field to a a bedding area in a swamp and a bunch of scrapes. There's this huge scrape line, probably every 20 yards, uh, this buck, and I do not know multiple bucks were hitting these scrapes. And it was just, just a string of them. And so I set up at this pinch where kind of those things came together uh, back in, you know, a thick area, but it was just open enough uh, to that you could shoot. But I set it, and it was high winds that allowed me to get My stand sat quietly. Nothing heard me. And I knew probably in the high winds that evening I wouldn't get anything but if it calmed the next morning. And sure enough, I got in early, quietly, silently the next morning. And right after daybreak, uh, a 9-point, 132-inch 9-point came through at 12 yards, and I got him. So I would attribute just the – not just the product, but the overall attention to silence, making sure you're silent in your approach, in your setup, um, and everything you do being key to both of those uh, hunts um, from a couple years ago.
3: Now, Adam, I have a couple more questions on, on your product. Is there any sort of material that retains any scent on top of it? Like some of the like the hockey tape wood or whatever,
2: right um the surface is it's a really thin kind of uh, cloth type material uh, that is printed on uh, okay. i i don't I don't think it really retains much scent. I've never had anything come up and sniff it or anything like that you know um, so. The surface of it kind of is has like a seal over it that I think really helps with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys should it, guys should you know be careful with their scent just like they would anything. Uh, yeah, but it, it is, yeah. It, is, it isn't something that's absorbent of uh, like water or scent. From you, it just is sound absorbent, which is a different thing It's sound deadening, I guess maybe better word to put it
3: no that that makes sense and I didn't notice anything that stuck out to me on my rolls of it I have here that looked you know like hockey tape after a while, that stuff will get wet and kind of mildewy, you know what I mean, so it's like it's yours look a lot more advanced in terms of that side of things. Um, now, when it comes to rolls, how many feet of this stuff come on a roll, and how wide is it?
0: Yeah,
2: so the buck bumper, which is the, the thinner wrap that you can easily wrap, let's say, like a climbing stick with, oh, that comes in a 15-foot roll, and I think our website, we have it for 12.99. and that, so 15 feet, and we have a guide on our website that okay, um, it's Three quarters of an inch wide, about 15 feet long, and you can figure out if you want to, you know, how much of your gear that'll cover. But just in general, if you think of a like a lone wolf climbing stick, uh, one roll of that will cover an, an entire stick.
3: Okay. Just to give you an idea, so
2: it goes pretty far, and if you're doing multiple things, one of those will will go pretty far. Uh, the bug Lumber thick. Is one inch wide and it's an eighth inch thick, so it's much thicker. Uh, and it's a six foot roll, uh, but you're doing something different with that. You're like I said, you're probably hitting contact points and using little strips of it here and there. Um, yeah. Like I'll i put it I put it on my climber uh, a couple years ago on the metal exposed there. So you might be using a couple feet here and a couple feet there, but most of the time. Uh, I would suggest using that in little strips. Like, okay, I see my stand is making contact here with the seat. I'm going to put a couple of strips, you know, that's two inches here and two inches there, and you kind of spread that around.
3: Sure, sure. And what camo pattern do you have on, on that buck bumper?
2: It's the sound barrier camo. <laughs> nice. It's, it's uh it's nothing special, it's just kind of an open pattern that we developed. We didn't, you know, people may or may not know this, but if you get a name brand of camel pattern for clothing or, you know, gear or whatever, you have to pay to use that. Um, so we, we just came up with our own open pattern, which if you really start digging into a deer site, actually, and this is a whole separate topic I don't know if you guys have ever done a podcast on it but deer site is so different than our site that the high definition patterns and stuff that are out there that they don't they don't really help like we think they do um, open pattern you know just kind of big blocky patterns which are becoming more popular now are actually way better for camouflaging to a deer's eyeballs so um, That's kind of what we came up with, our own little pattern uh, that does the job.
3: Um, Nice. Yeah, so. Now, speaking of uh, deer senses, we've talked about the hearing uh, a few times, how you guys studied that and did some tests. Um, Tell us how do deer hear, like what did you find that most people might not know about or or not? And then I'd kind of like to hear about how those test results went at the university, like, how you tested and what some of the measurements were, maybe to com- compare to some other things. Um, if you want to get into that too,
2: yeah, no, it, it is pretty interesting, and uh, I was surprised by some things. And a little bit more about my background is I'm I'm a science teacher, so I've been doing that for 18 years. Right. So I have that background, you know. I taught physics for most of that time, uh, so it was it was it was interesting, but it was, was kind of eye opening, and so just to kind of, I'll, I'll compare it to human hearing, because that's what we're obviously familiar with, but deer hear is similar in one way and different in three ways. Uh, similarly, they hear loudness about the same, or we we'll call it intensity of a sound, and that would be, you know, something loud to us is also loud to them, something soft to us is also soft to them, you know, that, that's that's similar uh the huge differences where they have a big advantage and why we need to be so careful about sounds um the first one is just their pinna or their outer ear you know the big ear part that we see the huge cone and that just so much better than our hearing it funnels sound to their eardrum and unlike our ears, you know, that are just stuck on our head, they can move those around. So they're big radar dishes that, you know, they'll swivel around uh, to pick up the slightest sounds and follow them to their ears and then uh, hone in on the source of that sound to analyze it for danger or not. Um, And, you know, most people have probably seen this if they've observed deer at all and hunted much at all. That if you have some deer out in front of you and all of a sudden they all just snap their heads one way and their ears and start looking, a lot of times you won't know or hear what they're hearing. And then maybe a couple minutes later, another deer pops in the field or a hunter pops over the ridge. And that just is a good example of how well their ears pick up those little sounds. Uh, and also how well they can hone in on them. Uh, so that's a huge advantage they have. Just And, you know, a good example of that is if you've ever grunted a deer in or rattled a deer in, they can come from, you know, a quarter mile away and run straight to the base of your tree just off of one grunt. And that just shows their ability not only to hear those sounds but also pinpoint where they came from. Um and that's a huge thing. So if I make a noise accidentally that I don't want to make, uh, you can bet that they know exactly where that came from too. And if they think, you know, or associate it with maybe hunting, you know, they're they're definitely avoiding that area. So that's one way. It yeah, okay. no, that,
3: that makes sense. I mean, we always talk about that metal on metal clang being like an unnatural sound, right? Like they're not used to hearing that in the woods. Nothing in the woods is metal. That we didn't put there, right? So okay, I can see how that could be an issue. Now, were you guys testing that type of thing in the lab, down there in Toledo, or what were you guys finding was like some of the biggest? I think I guess the the furthest traveling sound probably is metal on metal.
2: Yeah, well, I'll get to that in one second. Let me. Sure. That was one way. The second way is where they hear better. Is what I call their sweet spot. And that's just the frequency range they hear best, and that is around 8,000 hertz. Now, that, you know, might not be a big deal. Humans, compared to humans, is around two to 4,000 hertz, which is where kind of our speaking frequencies. So it makes sense that we hear that best, right? Um, interesting, when we tested those hunter sounds at Toledo University, We found that a lot of them peaked, were the loudest at between eight and ten thousand hertz, which is also where deer hear the best. So that was kind of an aha thing, that yeah, they hear really good in these, you know, frequencies of the noises that we make, you know, crunching leaves, uh, clanging stuff. You know, I'll go through the list in a bit here, but. Uh, they are especially equipped to hear those sounds very well. Um, and the third way is they have ultrasonic hearing, which just means above what we can hear. So humans, we can hear, you know, at our best, like when we're younger and our hearing is the best, we can hear from about 20 to 20,000 hertz, and that's just the pitch or the frequency range. Uh, anything below or above that, we can't hear, right? So ultrasonic means they can hear well above our, you know, highest hearing range of 20,000 hertz. And their range is all the way up to about 64,000 hertz or three times as high as the pitch or frequency we can hear. Um, So kind of like a dog whistle, you know, we can't hear it. Dogs can. Uh, Deer are hearing these noise frequencies that we don't even know exist because we can't hear them. And, you know, going to our studies, these things that we looked at, yes, they're making frequencies or noises in that ultrasonic range that we can't hear what the deer can hear. Um, And it's not that we won't hear the noise, you know, say it's uh, being crunching leaves. Uh, I'll hear that, but the deer hear a much bigger picture of that, so to say, Uh, and that allows them, especially those high frequencies, that is what they use to help them pinpoint where the noise came from. So all those things together, you know, about deer hearing uh, really make them, obviously, that very beneficial for them. And also, you know, told me, yeah, you know, we really need to, as hunters, and I need to, as a hunter, really need to focus on this area and everything I can do to, you know, be quiet and to be silent. Um, so jumping jumping to those some of those sounds Um, so we did 30 sounds and on our website the guys actually have a chart up here uh, if anybody wants to look at it you know they can kind of see what that looked like but some of the stuff was like uh, sawing a limb uh, plastic like a plastic feed bag if you're out there you know dumping bait somewhere or um, clothing, brushing against brush, tree stand, metal, metal, contact, solid plastic contact, walking in grasses, dry grasses, um, break, breaking certain branches, oak and, and, uh, pine, um, tree steps, camera arm contact, and climbing stick contact. Those are just some examples of stuff that we tested. Um, Walking in dry grass, for example, we found that this would be under calm conditions. You know, the conditions are going to vary and determine how far sound will actually carry, you know. Um, but assuming a calm day where, you know, sounds travel fairly well, something, for example, like uh, walking in dry grasses that are just kind of loud and crunchy, that could travel up to 250 yards. Wow. Uh, and a you would hear that, right, and know that something's over there that probably doesn't sound like an animal, you know, um, to them. Uh, oak twig breaking. So medium-sized oak twig, you step on it, it crunches. That, if it snaps loud enough, could travel up to 500 yards. Um, and you hear that, right? Wow. Some of the some of the major ones, like if you clang pretty decent, you know, let's say you're setting up your stand or you're climbing sticks that steel metal and metal, it's hollow, right? So you got it's ringing out because of the hollowness. We got the those on uh, a calm day could travel over a thousand yards.
0: Jeez, and
2: a, a half mile is eight hundred eighty yards. So. And if you think about it, you know, that might seem like, wow, is that is that real? Is that really the case? But, you know, if you think about it, when you're out there hunting and it's a quiet night, um, you can hear things walking in leaves a long ways away. You can hear deer coming a long ways away in really dry leaves. Uh, and, you know, I've been out hunting and I, the neighbors, you know, the neighbor houses are half a mile away and they're out in their yard and you can hear them talking or whatever they're doing is clear as bell. So on the right day, yeah, sounds definitely carry pretty far and and pretty well. And if we're making these noises, you're hearing that, right? So that was pretty eye-opening for me, for us, as we looked at that. And again, just kind of with, you know, how do you hear so well with, yeah, I'm making these noises, um, this is a problem, you know that that needs to be addressed.
3: Yeah that that chart on your website. Um, I think I'm on the home page here. Yeah, on the home page, if you scroll yeah. down at soundbarrierhunting.com, the common hunt busting noise carry distances. That is very interesting stuff, man. Wow. Yeah,
2: and like I said, if you've got a day that is super windy. You know, and it's raining, and that's a great. That's why that's a great day to hang your sand or whatever you're right. going to do, because that is eliminating. That is you know masking that sound that you could potentially make a mistake and make, and that's why that's so key. But it, normal days that you want to be out there hunting, it's it's not like that. Um. So yeah, it, it really is eye opening to see. Um and then be honest with yourself and say, okay, well, what do I need to change about my hunting to, you know, give myself a better chance?
3: Yeah, you know, throwing all the odds into your favor is something we take very seriously, whether it's, you know, an Ozonics unit or washing your clothes and keeping them in a scent-free tote, treating your boots mm-hmm. with zeolite, you know, all the stuff that we take very seriously on the scent side of things. Yeah, this is um this is very interesting stuff. I I mean one metal clank. You know, tree steps or camera arm, thousand yards. I believe that. I've heard my neighbors talking, you know, down the block across the road for sure. So if we wanted to relate this to our habitat setups or some of the strategies that we're using on our properties, you know, we plant screens or, you know, cut bedding areas, drop trees, you know, access is super calculated. Do you actually use your access and think about the way the deer is hearing you as well, instead of just seeing or smelling you?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think you have to back all that in. Um, I would say you guys have way more experience with the the food plots and all that because I don't have a lot of land that I I can do that in. Um, But, yeah, even whether you're hunting private land that's highly managed or you're hunting public that you can't really do a whole lot, you really have to think about, you know, way before season starts, think about uh, your sound impact, your sound footprint, so to say. And how you can minimize that, um, whether it's your gear, soundproofing your gear, eliminating gear, um, to your entries and exits. How are you going to get in and out without them smelling you, seeing you, or hearing you? And so, yeah, you definitely have to plan that out. Um, I'll plan it out with, if I'm going in and out of public, I'll plan it out not only, you know, okay, I don't want my scent blowing into the bedding area or whatever, but also how can I get in and out of here the quietest uh, and the furthest from deer, right? Um, So mapping that out before you go in somewhere in public, let's say you're doing a, you know, run and gun type hunt, thinking about that as well as all the other things is going to be important.
3: All right. Now, Adam, I know we like to ask our listeners this specific question, I'm going to make it a little bit different for you as well. Um, sure. We always ask about what your favorite tree is for hunting or habitat or whether well, you just like looking at it in the woods, whatever it is. But I kind of want to know what your quietest recommended tree would be too in terms of sound and climbing up it and all that good stuff. So kind of a two-part question for you.
2: Okay. Okay. Um. Well, I'd say a good tree, or one of my favorite trees has to be a white oak tree. That's probably a popular answer, but uh, just, you know, when they're dropping acorns, it's like a magnet for deer. You know, it's a good. You can find a stand of those, or even just one that uh, is in, you know, an isolated area. Deer, deer seem to just uh, pour into those. So, that's a good spot to hunt. Um, as far as quietest you know just looking at the bark you know I think about when I use a climber you know if I've got a tree that has a lot of shaggy bark or something that is just super noisy so um, something like a a maple that's a pretty smooth uh, bark or a beech tree those are pretty quiet for climbing you know and setting up that's just something to think about and you know stay away from Stuff like uh, hickory trees that have that really hard, scaly <laughs> bark that just—I mean—it's just super noisy. So uh, if you can, you know, it's, sometimes you can't pick your tree. You just gotta get the, in the best one. But uh, if you can, that's that's what I would do.
3: Now, those are some great answers. I know I've climbed up some some scaly bark trees, like a big red pine or something, where the bark looks to peel off and it seems right. like it's just falling on the climber platform and everything else. But um, no, that's, that's good advice. I haven't heard the answer to that. I thought you might've said some sort of pine, but actually the, the bark is a little thicker on those. So I think the, the thinner bark of like the maple or, or the beach, like you said, would be a better option.
2: Yeah, it's, it's quieter. It seems to be.
3: Well, Hey man, I really appreciate you coming on. And if Anybody hasn't seen on Facebook yet or Instagram uh, we announced that you are a new partner of the podcast so really appreciate you uh, jumping on board with that and and we want you know here where we can find your your blog your products and you even got a little something for the listeners so go ahead and take it away.
2: Yeah well uh, thanks for uh, it's, it's good to be partnering with you guys and yeah if uh, guys want to check us out go to soundbarrierhunting.com. And the homepage gives a lot of the information we talked about, like the uh, hunting hunting noise, carry distances of common hunter noises. And there's a video and some different uh, things they can look at there to see the product and see it in use. Um, Then they can easily click on the shopping page and go there and see our different packages. Uh, It'll, you know, they can look at For a given purpose, you know, get a little information about how many roles they might need and how much something will cover. They can find out all that information there. And also we have a blog that I publish every couple weeks. uh, Some of it is on deer hearing, so they can find an article about that there. And I I might send you a link to that if you want. Um, But there's a lot of different just whitetail uh, articles in general. They can get a lot of information from there. They can sign up for that if they want to receive that every couple weeks and just kind of noodle around the site and uh, I think it find a lot of helpful information.
3: Yeah, I've read your blog uh, a a bunch of times. I think, you know, people send out emails from websites, you know, every day. You get them in your inbox and whatnot, but uh, yours are are pretty interesting. You're a lot, you know, you're you're from Michigan like I am and, and you have a, the need to chase after these big boys like I do, so it's kinda it's kinda more you know hits home hearing about these these nice birds and bucks that you're after on that blog. So I I enjoy doing that. Keep keep that up. Oh well, um, thanks. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you also mentioned that uh, prior that we have a discount for habitat podcast listeners, is that correct?
2: Yep. Um if they make an order through our website, uh the code HP just type that in and they'll get 10% off as well as free shipping so uh, take advantage of that if you're going to order something and soundproof your gear this season uh, code HP and you get that 10% off.
3: Well, that's awesome man we really appreciate you doing that for, for us and the listeners and and like we talked about in this episode guys it's, it's a lot to take in with how a, a deer and its hearing can can really affect you but you know, these extra details are what are what puts that, that buck on the wall or, or that meat in the freezer. So, Adam, thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, guys, we'll be hearing more from Adam in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on the show tonight. My mind is still trying to uh, absorb all that information on how deer here and all the testing you guys did. And I'd love to point more people to your website. Uh, to check out your test results that are on your homepage there. It's very interesting stuff, guys. I was looking at it during the show. Uh, check out soundbarrierhunting.com. You got HP for a code, code HP. Gets you 10% off and free shipping. And uh, just thank you, Adam, and thanks to the listeners for, for coming on today. We, we really appreciate you guys. I want to thank uh, the rest of our partners. We have PackerMax Cultipackers, HuntWise, Killer Food Plots, Use code HP 10% at Killer Food Plots, 52 Outdoors, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, The Habitat Hook, and Stony Creek Realty. Be sure to watch out uh, probably August for our next Stony Creek Habitat Podcast live trivia on Facebook. That was a blast again this past week. I had a really good time doing it. And then we're going to launch another uh, journal entry on the Habitat Journal on habitatpodcast.com regarding deer anatomy, arrow placement, you know, studying where you can put a safe arrow shot. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you all for supporting the Habitat Podcast once again. uh, We'll be back next week with Lincoln Roan and another great episode. Hang in there as we become better habitat managers.